0: Ghost towers of empty apartments and the cost of replacing cladding. Plus, should you join your strata committee? I'm Jimmy Thompson. I run the Flat Chat website and write the column for the Fin Review every Saturday.
1: And I'm Sue Williams, a property writer and journalist and author.
0: And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, Sue, ghost towers. Yeah
1: an intriguing piece today in the australian wasn't it
0: yeah you know these are uh, this idea that people are buying apartments they obviously two years ago, they bought the apartment off the plan when the house prices were running really hot. Then suddenly the property market's gone down and they're going, well, we're just going to lock the door. We're not even going to move in and wait until the, the market rises again. Now, Presumably, they think they can sell a brand new apartment that's never been lived in for more than one that's been around and had tenants in for a couple of years. But it seems like a big financial risk, isn't it? It
1: does, because all that um, rent they're foregoing in the meantime, really. I kind of wonder if it's a bit spurious, really, because... Of course, you can advertise a, an apartment as never having been lived in before. But if I saw an advert for an apartment that had never been lived in before, I'd think, why not? What's wrong with it? <laughs> right. Okay. And as well, I mean, if you get a professional property stylist in to, to style the apartment, they can look absolutely amazing. And if you look at professionally styled apartment versus a never been lived in apartment, which can be quite bare and cold and mm. a little bit kind mm. of disinfectant-y kind of thing.
0: Right. I think disinfectant Yes. It's (laughs) sterile
1: sterile okay thank you i think the one that's been really well styled will actually do better because they style them to create an emotional response so people will actually fall in love with a property and i think it would be much more useful for somebody to rent out their property and then spend maybe 5 to 10000 on a stylist to be repaint and and kind of put in some beautiful furniture and maybe even re-carpet as well and they'd get a better return for their money
0: yeah i kind of understand the new car smell of appeal of an apartment that's never been lived in
1: the off-gassing you mean
0: oh, yeah, yeah i mean the styling of an apartment is- It does compensate for the fact that most of us don't have the visual imagination to place our furniture or even the furniture that we haven't bought into a completely empty space. So you get the stylist in and they do all this fantastic work. Mm.
1: Often empty spaces look much smaller than when you have furniture in them.
0: Now, you've been researching this a bit recently, haven't you? I have, actually. Yeah, what a coincidence. (laughs) So two-bedroom apartment, how much would it cost to have that restyled for for sale?
1: Well, it depends. You could probably get anything from... Probably from you could start from two thousand, right? And then you could probably spend anything up to twenty thousand, really,
0: depending on the value of the property. That's I right, or
1: fifty thousand if you had a really top-notch prestige stylist, um, right?
0: And and an apartment or a house that's going to go for more than five million.
1: Well, they kind of say if if a place is worth over a million, you should spend maybe twenty thousand, right? And kind of over that, then you should start looking at you know appreciably more. They always say as well. And real estate agents say this: that for every dollar you spend on styling a property, you'll get $2 back. Oh, right. Hmm. Which isn't bad, is it really? Yes,
0: but they would say that, wouldn't they?
1: No, that's real estate agents saying I would that. Oh, say, All right. If it was property stylist saying that, oh, yeah, you'd be yeah, right yeah. to regard it with a little bit of suspicion. Jimmy. Okay,
0: right. And I recall oh, a couple of years ago, people were talking again about ghost apartments and saying that there was a lot of overseas investors buying apartments and just warehousing them, you know, in the same way, just locking the door and uh, never actually going in.
1: That's right. They were often for their kids when... You know their kids might be very small now, but they always kept thinking you know they'll bring them over to Australia for for later education. so yeah. they were keeping the apartments empty for them.
0: And then the problem was that they, because out of sight out of mind they weren't paying the levies and
1: oh gosh yeah you
0: know yeah. Uh, the communities you can't form a community when half the people aren't even there mm. and and then everybody's struggling, okay, you're gonna get the money back eventually. If the strata committee, if the owners corporation is doing or the strata manager are doing their job properly, they can make sure that when that apartment is eventually sold as as a last resort, they can get all their money back plus interest then. But in the meantime, all the people who are living in the apartment or have occupied the apartment with tenants, they have to pay all the running costs. It just yeah. seems wrong, doesn't it?
1: No, it really does. And I think they've had that problem as well in, in London, haven't they? Come and here, I guess yeah. that's a problem when you have a stable country, although Britain is maybe not quite so stable <laughs> at the moment with Brexit, but Australia is certainly seen as a very stable financial country. Mm. Um, people kind of come over here and park their money here in property because they kind of think, well, even if the market's a little bit soft at the moment, it will improve. You know, people are saying that the that the bottom of the market is probably coming up now and towards the end of the year, and next year will probably bounce back again, and they're probably right.
0: I mean, it does also open up this whole swings and roundabouts thing. I've just been reading that there's been twice as many first time homeowner grants issued in the past year as it was in the year before. This slump in the market is bringing the cost of housing down enough for people who couldn't previously get into the market and now sure. being able to buy them because mm. the the benefits i mean at a certain level here in new south wales the first time ho- home buyers i think it's for anything under 650000 they don't get stamp duty they don't have to pay mm. stamp duty that's quite mm. a lot that's a big saving yeah and then if they buy a new place i think for under 850000 yeah then they get a grant, you know, quite a substantial grant to Mm. to help pay that. So all these livable properties are coming into the market. Mm. Is this the answer to affordability or is it just a blip on the radar?
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, interest rates have gone down for the first time, but, I mean, they're historically low. Yeah. I guess, you know, with the election having been and gone, there is a bit more political certainty now as well. People feel, you know, whether Labour or the Liberals had won, they just feel there's a bit more certainty, really, with the next three years of government sort of decided. Of course, we don't know how many prime ministers we might have in the next three years, but at least there is one party in power that should be there for the next three years. So yeah, maybe first-time buyers have been coming back in the market as the investors have left the market for a while.
0: Yeah, we hear an awful lot about housing affordability, and everybody wants more affordable housing, and then we hear stories about the, the market going down and everybody's saying, oh, no, no, the, the, the value of properties is going down. You can't have both, can you?
1: <laughs> That's right, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you can have subsidised housing.
0: Yeah. I wonder if the laws in New South Wales about Airbnb or the, the incoming laws have had an effect on these ghost towers. Going back to that, I wonder if some of these places would have been filled up with uh, Airbnb-style rentals. Um, were it not for the fact that it's just not as easy to do here as it is in Victoria
1: Mm, yeah but even here we're still waiting for the new regulations on Airbnb aren't we We yeah we still haven't come yet yeah yeah I think it's all too hard isn't it really for the government to to cope with
0: There's, there's too many moving parts in that equation and I think they know that if they get one bit wrong then the whole thing could fall apart it seems to be working okay the The number of the increase in Airbnb rentals in New South Wales is something like a third of the increase in Victoria. And Victoria is just completely Mm. out of hand. Mm, yeah, uh, And it's, they're going to have to address the situation there quite soon, I think Because it's starting to affect people's lives in ways that nobody ever anticipated Apart from us, of course, we did We anticipated, <laughs> we knew We so, knew exactly what was going to happen mm. So between ghost towers and affordability and Airbnb It's just a constantly moving thing, isn't it? It's very mm, hard to mm. nail down anything mm. But we try <laughs>
1: The only thing certain is uncertainty.
0: Oh, right. Get that on a T-shirt now. <laughs> when we come back after this, we're going to talk about the cost of cladding. So we're back. And last week, there was a very interesting article in The Conversation, mm. which is an online magazine. Is that right?
1: That's right. It's an um, article written by academics with journalist's help. Right. And um, they go go out to people, and uh, it's a not-for-profit venture. Right. And they're often asking for donations um, in the same way that Wikipedia does and stuff. But they offer a really valuable service, I think, because academics are doing really valuable work, but we often just don't hear about them.
0: No. And sometimes
1: they find it hard to write about. Well, (laughs) that can
0: become obvious when you're reading some of this stuff. Yeah. When you bear in mind that academics have to... Most of their stuff has to be peer-reviewed, and it has to be very carefully written, so they can't get as emotive as we journalists occasionally do.
1: Or accessible, really. Yeah.
0: You know. So, anyway, they were talking about the cost of um, remediating cladding, and they're, they're talking about billions, I think, of dollars across Australia.
1: mm The owners will probably have to pay.
0: Well, this is the thing. One of the two academics, and I don't have their names here, but uh, you'll be able to find all this out on the Flat Chat website. One of them actually bought an apartment and the cladding on the building had been certified as safe by the builder or developer. Mm -hmm. And then along came Melbourne City Council and said, no, it's not safe. That's the dangerous stuff. So... There's something as uh, a region of, I think it's about 500 apartments in Melbourne have been identified as having dangerous cladding and another 400-odd in, in Sydney. You just, And these guys have calculated the possible potential cost. Now, it varies from building to building, mm. but they're saying it's up to one quarter of the value of the apartment could be the cost for each individual <gasps> owner of remediating the, the cladding and rid of the old cladding and putting new stuff on. Wow. And that's horrendous.
1: That's huge, isn't it? So if you have an apartment that's 400000 it could cost 100000 Yeah. to get it fixed.
0: And then you've got the choice. If you try and sell, you're going to lose that money anyway. Well, yeah. Because um, people are going to say, well, I'm going to be faced with a $100,000 bill, so I'm taking that off the price of your apartment right now.
1: And the thing is you know if you were looking to buy into an apartment that had a, into an apartment building that had a problem with cladding you might look at an apartment where the cladding has been replaced and remediated but there might be other parts of the building that haven't been done yet i don't know you kind of have to get them all done at the uh, same time
0: it's a nightmare and i mean, so far all the government the state governments have done is go around saying right you, you these are the buildings with cladding and the owners' corporations have to fix it. Now, the owners' corporations are saying, well, okay, but we didn't buy into this. We didn't know even that this could be a problem. So it's all very well to say, your buyer beware. Nobody told us we needed to be aware of this. In some cases, the developers have disappeared Mm. um, or gone out of business. You know, sometimes the developers are very specific. You know, you could have uh, Jimmy T building developers but it's actually, you find out that it's Jimmy T Building Developers with the street address of the <laughs> the building, which is the name of the company. Yep. So once that company goes bust, it goes mm. into voluntary liquidation, there's nobody to chase for the money. Mm. The, the report in the conversation referred to the situation in Britain. It's, you know, it's, it's just coming up to two years since the Grenfell fire.
1: Gosh, it doesn't feel like that long, does it? No,
0: and they're talking about prosecutions there right. of uh, it's kind of like criminal negligence mm. you know, or professional manslaughter or something like that mm. corporate manslaughter but they are the police are actually trying to identify people but what's happening here the most progressive thing i've heard is that the state government in victoria has said you can get a low interest rate loan through local council if the local councils are willing
1: that sounds like a good idea in theory
0: well low interest rate is kind of Basic these days. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah. But Mm. apparently, as of February this year, not a single apartment block had applied for this loan. Really? It just, for whatever reason, I think many of them are looking at taking class actions against developers. So you've got, you know, four or five buildings, the same developer has put the same Dangerous stuff On their buildings And they're going Well let's get together Let's share the cost Of uh, a legal action And let's go for these guys So there's a bit of that Going on I think there's a lot Of people who are in denial
1: Yeah Just putting their head In the sand And thinking mm, Well but, something will come up
0: Yeah And then the insurers Come around And say Hang on Your building's got Flammable cladding on it
1: Insurance is invalid
0: Either your insurance Is invalid Or your premiums Are going to go Through the roof mm. So it's very difficult. Now, who should be paying for this? Who do you think should be paying to fix the cladding on buildings that have it?
1: The developers. Because surely they knew that the the cladding was defective. And if they didn't know, they should have known because they should have actually made sure that the building materials they were using were safe or the builders that they were hiring to build the building were using safe materials. Well, that's a duty of care that they have to the owners.
0: And we've already had a case in Victoria with the lacrosse Tower, mm. where the judge has decreed that um, the developer was due to pay so much and the builder was due to pay, and the architect even was uh, slugged for quite a lot of money. The only person who got away scot-free was the backpacker whose cigarette started the fire. <laughs> they actually they apportioned his the amount of uh, money that he should pay is, and it comes to something like $300,000. They just went, oh, look, he's back in the UK. We're never going to get it back. So that is the, that comes back on the developer.
1: Mm. Because really, you should be able to smoke on the balcony of a building without fear the whole thing is going to go
0: up. You would think. <laughs> you would think that would be a basic... Surely
1: that's a human right, really. Okay.
0: Now, let's say, well, the developer, the builder... Let's say they've already transferred all their assets to their aunts and mm. siblings and whatever. They're out of the picture. Still, the law says that the owners' corporation is duty-bound to fix common property. So, again, this falls back on the, the, uh, the owners in the building. The article re- referenced the fact that in Britain, the government has stepped in and spent a lot of money or put pressure on, on developers to uh, to pay their share, to get the cladding down. Should the governments in Australia, state governments, should they be coming in and saying, look, we're going to pay a chunk of fixing this so that effectively everybody in the state is contributing to fixing this problem?
1: Yes, I think that's fairly reasonable. I mean, the government takes stamp duty out of every apartment that's sold. Yeah. Maybe it's time that they gave some of that money back. And I mean, it is our money, of course. But um, maybe that's eminently reasonable because it's bloody bad luck on the people who bought these palm, which they would have no idea. Mm. There but for the grace of God goes, any of us, really.
0: Yeah, and also, you know, the government set the regulations that allowed this to happen. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and they set the whole framework whereby developers... and
1: certification Yeah,
0: all that yeah. stuff that just allows people to w- create a problem then walk away with it and ultimately... The government's also passed the laws that say owners' corporations are ultimately liable for looking after a common property. So, yeah, governments, get your hands in your pockets. Get, mm. get moving. Mm. This is This needs to be fixed as a matter of urgency. It's your fault, so do something about it. Mm. And finally, Sue Williams, you've written a piece for Domain about should you join your strata committee
1: yes because i i think it's a very big question that people ask themselves when they move into apartments because they can often take up a lot of time committee work yep but on the other hand it's good to have a role in your community it's good to have a role in safeguarding your investment in a building and trying to make sure the value of your apartment building goes up it's kind of a community spirited thing to do really but on the other hand it does take up a lot of time there are some awkward people in apartments <laughs> there's always what a friend of ours said there was one out of every 50 i think that's a really awkward person
0: yeah and so, a strata manager we know said can i manage that building because that's the best proportion i've come across
1: <laughs> so yeah so there there are pros and cons all the time but basically yeah look it, it it's a good idea to to stand for election on a strata committee I think yeah.
0: but not every owner can be on the committee there's a limit to the size of the committee
1: oh absolutely i mean it's good to take turns you know it's a, it's a shame sometimes when buildings have um the same committee for like 20 years or something and nothing really ever gets done yeah um and we all know buildings like that but um it's always good to have a good selection of people on a strata committee. It's always nice to have an engineer, you know, a lawyer, somebody who's really good with finances. We've heard of buildings where nearly everybody on the, on the strata committee was a hairdresser <laughs> or a nail artist. And that's not quite so useful. I mean, they look good, but, you know, it's not quite so helpful, really.
0: Well, we've talked about some of the good reasons for joining com- a committee. What would you say were some of the bad ones?
1: Um, the pursuit of power and glory
0: yes that's that's definitely one of them
1: um planning to steal money from the
0: that's fund. less less common, <laughs> thankfully, but
1: I think sometimes people choose to try and get elected onto a strata committee for the reason to try and if they if there's something that they want to actually happen to their apartment, yeah, they'll often try and be on the strata committee so that they can you know weigh the odds in their favor for instance i once lived in a building where somebody wanted to have a wooden floor um installed in in their apartment and they kind of thought if i if they're on the strata committee they can you know make sure that they get the decision to go in their favor and they did, but they actually skipped some of the regulations that said how much the the, the insulation, insulation had yeah. to be underneath the timber floor. So they actually had the timber floor installed. Then they had a big party. There were many, many complaints about the noise and the echo of, of high heels on the timber floor because it wasn't insulated properly. And then the next week, they went overseas and rented their apartment out. Right. So the problems continued and continued... And people kept trying to, the rest of the strata committee kept trying to write to her and saying, well, you know, look, you have a problem with your floor. We need to get it sorted. And she just kept ignoring um, their entreaties. So that was a really bad reason to be on a strata yeah. committee. <laughs> and she really put everybody else at a terrible disadvantage.
0: Yeah, uh, the other uh, popular reason, bad reason, for getting on a committee is to stop anything from being done. You know, Somebody will get on a committee just to they don't want the levies to go up is the usual reason Mm. and they will fight tooth and nail and make it very awkward for everyone um, because the committee is involved... Uh, in setting the levies, So yep, they, they can't they can't set them themselves, but they certainly present a budget to the AGM, mm. and uh, that's another popular one. But the pursuit of power well,
1: on that one, it, it, the, the problem is often downsizers are increasingly moving into apartments. Yeah, sometimes they're on a fixed income; they might be on a pension or yep. on their own superannuation fund. So therefore, they're really determined not to see any extra money spent, which is a is a real problem because. You know, there might be other people within the building who'd like to see a real improvement in the facilities or the amenity yeah. of a building and yeah. they just can't get anything done.
0: No. And and the other thing about uh, downsiders and retirees is they have the time to devote... So. The other owners are all constantly weighing up, okay, you know, this bloke is always going around and he's looking at stuff and he's so helpful and he organises things. But on the other hand, he's always blocking any innovation because anything he doesn't want. And so there's that trade-off of, are we getting this work done for free? But it's stopping the building from developing and moving forward, which is a shame for a lot of buildings.
1: Yeah. Yes, the former chair of the Owners' Corporation Network, the Peak Body for Apartment Owners, was very famous, Stephen Goddard, was very famous for once saying that strata committees can be made up of the unemployed, the unwashed, and the unloved.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: And what he meant was that there are sometimes, on some occasions, a strata committee member who may be there simply because there's nothing else in their lives, really, and so therefore, you know, it's just
0: a kind of a hobby. Substitute for a social life.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Yeah. yeah. And that can be an issue if that person isn't particularly creative or you know entrepreneurial or community Smart. minded or clever yeah. yeah yeah exactly
0: it's funny you're talking about the pursuit of power i remember a story early on in in uh, the life of flat Chat where there was a building that was having terrible problems with their autocratic chairman and uh he just wouldn't allow anything he was a bully he he always managed to get himself elected every year by sending out emails or phoning around uh, and, the, and these were the days when you could do proxy farming so he'd just get all these proxies and he got elected every year and they came to FlatChat and they said what, what can we do about this guy and uh, how can we stop the proxy farming and uh, h- how can we deal with him and then it turned out he wasn't even an owner he was a tenant <laughs> <laughs> And, wow. and and even worse, the owner of the apartment had no idea that his tenant was running the the owners' corporation wow. was running the strata committee.
1: Goodness, so well, that at least was, he had a bit of entrepreneurship. <laughs>
0: yes, so that was a simple solution. Mm. Um, and in fact, you know, and the reality is that any committee can change their. Uh, chair in New South Wales, not in Queensland. It's not so easy in Queensland. In, in Queensland, at the AGM, they, they elect the chairman, the secretary, and the treasurer first, and then they elect the rest of the okay.
1: the committee. Yep.
0: Which kind? Of, I suppose that's quite a good idea in a way, but it certainly entrenches the power with a known group of people.
1: Mm.
0: So yeah, it's a it's a fraught business, the strata committee.
1: Mm, absolutely but you know sometimes people say oh i don't want to move into an apartment building because oh the strata committee i don't want to deal with them well one way of dealing with the strata committee is actually volunteering your time getting involved you know strata committees are often made up of you know maybe at most nine people yeah but sometimes they do delegate to subcommittees so you can kind of get involved in a, a smaller more minor way And, uh, you know, just I think it's up to us to do our bit, really.
0: Yeah, I'm just reminded of uh, a bully chairman, the classic bully chairman. And it was suggested uh, to him that they form subcommittees so that people who are on the committee can form a subcommittee with non-committee members who have expertise in a certain area. And he stood up and he said, this is stupid. It's a dumb idea. You'll never get anything worthwhile out of this. It can never work. It's just a waste of time, just a talking shop. We're capable in the committee of doing everything. We don't need subcommittees. And somebody said, actually, we've got a subcommittee We've got a gardening sub subcommittee, and your wife is on it. <laughs> it's all about personalities, really, isn't it? When mm, it comes down to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we're just a microcosm in strata of the wider society, and there are so many conflicts in the wider society. They just seem to even be magnified in strata when you're living next door to, to people who you may have disagreements with.
0: Yeah, they call it the fourth level of government, but uh, it's a fourth level of government that doesn't have compulsory voting. Now, that would change things, wouldn't it? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, let's not even go there, Jimmy. I think that's a huge subject.
0: Okay, well, we've pretty much covered all the issues of the week in in this week's Flat Chat Wrap. Thank you so much, Sue, for coming along.
1: Pleasure, Jimmy. Thank you for inviting me.
0: And uh, hopefully, if you've enjoyed this episode, you'll listen to us again. Bye. If you enjoy listening to these podcasts, you can subscribe completely free of charge on iTunes or other podcatcher software on your devices. That way you'll get fresh podcasts delivered directly to your phone, tablet, notebook or computer as soon as they are posted. Please give us a rating, especially if you like the pods, and we love it when listeners pass on the podcast to family, friends and colleagues. The more people who listen, the happier we are. And if you want to know more about apartment living or have specific questions you need answered, please go to flat-chat.com.au. I'm Jimmy Thompson. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week.